between two things. I want just to share with you rather than to preach to you. And I'm not criticizing preaching. I'm not criticizing teaching. But I want to make sure you hear something from me for you. I want to share with you as I go along something that is absolutely critically important to your spiritual survival. And so I'm in betwixt and between whether to adhere to my notes and do that or just to go off them and I'll just have to kind of hopefully be led by the Holy Spirit. So if we're tracking with the notes, hey, you see where I am right here and I'm moving along and you're tearing the page and then all of a sudden I'm off that away. Don't look in your notes. Don't be worried about them because that may happen. I believe the, the burden of God this morning, as it has been the whole weekend, but in conclusion this morning, is to impress on you the necessity now that you've been saved, assuming all of you are saved, which I'm not sure if you are, but I'll assume that. All of us are members of the kingdom of God. I'll assume that, although I don't know it. And we have been saved, not because we need to be saved. That was never the reason. But we have been saved so that in purchasing us out of the house of sin and bringing us into the temple of God and making us that temple, God's great purpose is his incredible unimaginable joy in sharing himself with us and bringing us to himself so that we also may share with him and isn't that what the text says we have been we have been made partakers of the divine nature and in order for that to continue in a healthy and vibrant way, in a way that God actually has his purpose accomplished, is for us to do what we're going to talk about today. Now, on the screen, you'll see a picture The next picture, the next one, ah, in my front yard, that's my house, you'll see my truck, some of you may recognize my truck. It's actually a new used one, so it only has one dent in it. The other one had all kinds of dent. The older you get, the more things get in the way. Have you ever noticed that when you're going down the street, you see old people, things jump out in front of them and hit their cars and scrape them. That's what happens to me. Things jump out in front of me and hit the truck or scratch. It's not me. In my front yard, there's a 150 to 200-year-old oak tree. It's a massive oak. In fact, it's what we call a registered oak. It's called 
and I didn't call it this when we bought the house years ago. This was the name of the tree. And we didn't know that until we bought the house and went inside and we found, found the plaque. The tree is called the pride of St. Charles. It's a monstrosity of a tree. And it's a tree in which squirrels run up and down and have a good time. The birds are out there. It provides shade. And it provides kind of a sound buffer between the busy street there, although there's no traffic there right now, and the house. Now, some of you may live on a street where you have the street, the sidewalk, and then there's, you know, your house. And you know how the, you can always hear the sound of the traffic. Well, this thing kind of buffers that, and so we don't hear very much of the sounds of the traffic. We kind of hear the streetcars as they go by. But other than that, it has to be a real good sound to hear it. Now, this tree has survived for years. It survived the perils of living in South Louisiana. Heat. It survived the cold. Now, we don't have too much cold, but, you know, we've had some snow on the ground. Some of you may have lived long enough to remember snow on the ground. It survived hurricanes. I remember for Hurricane Katrina, we stayed. And the hurricane's winds came in at about 8 o'clock in the morning. And they came in and sustained about 200, I'm sorry, 120 miles an hour. That's all you heard literally for hours. That was for hours. About 120 mile an hour winds. And then we would get gusts. Oh, did I wake you up? You don't know me real well, do you? You would have loved being in the class when I used to be an English teacher. It was an all-girls high school. We had fun. <laughs> and when the wind came in, it came in the back of the house toward the front because we're, we're north or south direction. And my wife asked the question, and I've mentioned this before. She says, do you think the winds are going to blow the tree down? I said, not likely. So the winds came in at 8 o'clock in the morning and sustained for 120 miles an hour, you know, 110, 120, 125, and then the big gusts. And the tree just kind of goes, all the limbs are kind of, then the hurricane turns around, I mean, goes through, the winds turn around, and about 11 or so, the winds came in to the front of the house. And so then the tree goes, you didn't know trees made noises like that. And the tree just kind of, flowed with the winds that were attempting to blow it away. Now, it lost some limbs. You know, there were some rotting limbs and weak limbs and so on. And it, so it kind of pruned the tree a little bit. A lot of the leaves were blown away. But at the end of the storm, at the end of the time, I, I think I went outside about 2.30 or so, it was still kind of blustery and breezy, but the heavy hurricane had already gone past. 
But you have to be careful in hurricane weather. And we've been through them all. You know, it looks like it's fine. And all of a sudden, you know, a, a big breeze will come along about 30, 40, 50 miles an hour. And then where did that come from? It's just one of those little pockets of breezes that come along. But the tree's fine. Now, you can't see it, but you see the red brick house? The, what happened to the red brick house? the ministry of Eric Schmaltz, young people. Give him a hand. All right. Only you, Eric. Thanks a lot, brother. You dirty you. Uh, you see the red house? Now, look, look behind my truck. The red, you see that kind of little tree standing up? You, talking, you know what I'm talking about? You see, right there. Thank you. Whoever has that. That's a new planting. Who, who did that? Incredible. You don't even have to ask this man the ministry. It's so much in him, he does it automatically. He knows what we're going to do before we do it. And so that's a new planting because in that spot used to be another tree such as ours. It ain't there no more. After the hurricane passed, once we all came back because we had to leave the city because the city was flooding. We don't get water up here, but, you know, we had to leave. There were five oak trees on the avenue. I don't know where else, but at least on the avenues that went down, crashed, died. Now, what was the difference between the oak tree in my front yard and these other trees, the tree next to us and the trees that went down along the avenue? What was the difference? This tree remained steadfast through it all. You see, the tree started out as an acorn, an acorn. That's how the tree started out. Now, that big, huge tree, all of it, every branch, every root, every leaf, Everything that is indigenous or native to that tree was in that acorn. Isn't that something? Everything. You ever thought of that? Everything in that tree was in that acorn. And we all started off in Christ as acorns. We started off as new birth. And then we progressed for a little while to become and this is where many of you are today. You're growing. You're developing. You're beginning to branch out. Branch out. Tree, branch. Branch out. Okay. You, thank you. Thank you. I mean, you know, really. I mean, that just stems from some of the... At any rate, I'll leave them alone. So... Uh, I'm sorry, I'm barking up the wrong. So, it's, that's where you are today. Now, I'm taking time on this, I know. Because I want you to make, I want to make sure you have a visual, a visual, that the next time you see any of these big trees in uptown New Orleans, or out in Jefferson, or at Audubon Park, or anywhere you go, you see these big trees. I want you to see that they are a statement of sturdy, 
continual stability, steadfastness, living through overcoming all of the issues of nature that would in any way begin to destroy it, weaken the tree, and rot the tree. The tree next to us, you remember I said, is no longer there. Why? Because it was not during Katrina, but before, hit by lightning twice. See, the problem with these big trees that reach up 60 and 70 feet in the air, they're obviously pretty susceptible to being hit by lightning. And so it got hit twice. It split the tree. Half the tree had to come down. It got hit again. And so they had to take the whole tree down. Well, why was it hit by lightning and my tree didn't get hurt? Because you see, what we had done, we had done what was necessary to work stability in the tree. Among other things, we put two lightning rods in the tree, the ends of which extend above the tops of the branches. So when the lightning comes down, it'll hit the lightning rods, travel down the side of the tree because they're bolted into the tree, into the ground, and so the lightning is dissipated. The power of the lightning and the danger of the lightning is dissipated in the ground. So something that enhanced and empowered and strengthened stability and steadfastness was done to the tree. Well, what about the water oaks? Why did the five water oaks go down? Do you know what a water oak is? Ours is a live oak. Do you know how to tell the difference other than the leaves between a water oak and a live oak? If you look at the tree again, can you go back to look at that tree again? Am I disturbing you? I'm sorry. Okay. Now, I am on the other side of St. Charles Avenue. These branches come out over the street into the avenue area. You can't see it from this angle, but that's all you need to see. And then they come this way and that way. And then we trend them away from the house. Otherwise, they'd be way over the house. When we bought the house, the limbs extended way over the house. And we didn't want that because, you know, crack, crack, crash into the house. And so we have a real problem. So look at the extent of the branches. What is, it, what is a live oak? A live oak typically has underneath the ground a root system that will travel about as far out as the branches. And so the roots of this old girl are very deep and very long and are very strong. And it holds that massive trunk steady. Whereas a water oak, Linda, you knew, didn't you? How many of you have seen these oak trees where when you're standing next to it, all the roots are on top of the ground? They're not deeply rooted. And they will be okay if the ground isn't too wet. And if pressure, for instance, from a wind doesn't come against them and then boom, over they go. And so when these things go down, it is amazing. There's the tree on the ground, but look it up in the air, all these roots that came up with it. Good night, look at this. And there's a huge open area on top of the ground. And when you look at it, none of the roots are more than maybe three or four feet deep. 
You see, there's no rooting. There's no depth. So they go down. Now, there are many water oaks in the city, and probably over the years, as they continue to move forward, we continue to move forward in time, the issues of time and water and hurricanes are going to come against a lot of these. Why did my troop last? I'm a root troop. <laughs> Tree root. You like that, didn't you? That's what happened. See, this morning when I got up, I put my teeth in backward. Why did my tree last? What was the difference between the tree in my front yard and so many of the others? I'm using the analogy steadfast. Now, in Isaiah 61.3, I think I have that in your notes. This is what the Lord calls his people. He calls us his oaks of righteousness. The planting of the Lord so that he may be glorified. Each one of you, each one of us, have become the planting of God, beginning as an acorn and progressing forward through the years. And in order for God to receive greater and greater glory, in order for us to experience the continuing growing work of God, to experience his faithfulness, to experience his personal love and kindness toward us, to experience his presence, to experience his power. In order for that to happen, we must remain steadfast in his love and in his power so that he can be glorified. And you see, this is what 1 Peter 1 3 through 6 is talking about. Let's read that passage again. You may have your Bibles. I don't know if I put it in your notes or not. But you've heard it many times. The apostle, remember, is writing to believers and he is warning them about all the problems and the apostasy and the false teaching and the attacks that are coming against the church and that will come against the church. And all of it has a reason. Every bit of this that you encounter that has anything to do with disturbing your trust and faithfulness, disturbing your time in the word with God and in prayer, anything that disturbs anything of the work and the presence and the obedience to God, all of this has a purpose in discontinuing us, slowing us down, diverting us, from God's intention in our lives so that we will not spiritually grow into the great oak of righteousness that God wants us to be. So Paul, Peter tells us this. He tells us what God, in verses 3 and 4, he tells us what God has done in order to grow us into oaks of righteousness. This is what God has already done. God's divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us to his own glory and excellence by which he has already granted to us his precious and very great promises. He's already granted these to us so that through them, through these promises, through his uh, work and through his presence, 
we, you may or we may become partakers of the divine nature, having escaped from the corruption that is in the world because of the sinful nature. So God has done everything for us and in us to cause us to continue to grow into oaks of righteousness all the way until the Lord returns and gathers us all before himself. Then in verses 5 and 6, he tells us what we need to do, what we need to add to our faith so that we will continue to grow as his mighty trees of righteousness. He has everything, done everything he needs to do. Now there is something that we need to do. There is that cooperative work. And this is what we need to do. For this very reason, and you've heard this talked about, Evan, Pastor Evan talked about adding virtue. Pastor Keith talked about adding what? Knowledge. And Pastor Jeff talked about adding self-control. And so he says this, for this reason, make every effort to supplant your faith. Add to your faith. Do you have faith if you are saved, if, if you are a believer in Jesus Christ, if you're going to heaven, if you've been born again, do you have faith? Yes or no? Do we have faith or not? Yes or no? Yes. There is no way to be a child of God, to be an acorn, if you would, and without faith. All of us who are saved have faith. So we're not talking about getting faith. We're adding to the faith that God has already put in us and is growing in us so that faith can continue to grow and to grow and to grow into full maturity of faith. So we're not talking about getting faith. We're talking about having that faith to be exercised and to be nourished until it becomes the faith that shows in a very dramatic way our God is a mighty God. So what do you do? Supplant your faith with what? Virtue. And virtue with knowledge. And knowledge with self-control. And self-control with steadfastness and steadfastness with godliness. So you've already learned about adding virtue and knowledge and self-control. So this morning... Let's look at the three qualities that must be, that these three qualities must be added with what? Steadfastness. All three qualities that you've heard are vital, centrally so, to the growth of our faith. But the difficulty is this. And I think this, well, I know this happens in every one of us from time to time during particular seasons. But the difficulty is this. Let's say we come to a camp and we get all riled up and we get enthused in the right way. And we begin to understand and see something about the person of God and the purpose of God and the power of God. And we begin to see ourselves connected to this God in a way that we haven't considered before. And we begin to experience this perhaps for the first time, perhaps for the third or fourth, perhaps even in a deeper way. And we are ready to, when we leave here, do a great work. We are ready to go out and to grow in relation to righteousness. Amen? We're ready to go. We get pumped up. Here's the problem. There is an enemy. who most of the time is more determined to deter us than we are to continue. 
Have you noticed that? I mean, I'll, I'll ask old man Keith, brother, have you noticed that in your many years, 45 you are? Hmm? Yeah. The man's a pastor. He knows a little bit about this. But the great struggle in this man, I can speak because I know what this man has experienced. I'm a little further along than he is. The great experience is not only and necessarily essentially the experience of the struggle that he carries for your lives. The great battle that is going on in him is the maintenance and the protection and the growth of his own faith, of his own faithfulness, of steadfastness in him. Because there is an enemy out there who is more determined to deter you than you are determined to grow in Christ. I've lived a long time. I'm old enough in here to be everybody's dad or grandpa. Right? Right? My daughter's older than you are. I'm not going to ask Linda how old she is, I'm afraid. I've lived a few years. And I'll say this as carefully but as truthfully as I can say it. If there's anything about me that is of any benefit to the church in anything that I do, I say, I don't know the extent of it. And Evan can tell you I'm often questioning it. But there is a benefit that I do see. And that's this. By God's grace, through struggling within and without, through battling over the years, through being knocked down and hit hard and stomped on, but then by God's grace and power getting back up, continuing to fight, never giving in to sin and Satan. Don't say I don't get deceived. I'm not giving in. And so if you don't know anything about this last session, and can't remember a thing I said, remember this. When, not if, when, not if, what, when. The world, the culture, your friends, the school, the sports, the entertainment, your mom and them, for those of you who are not from here, your parents. When you are attacked, when you feel you can't go any further, you're too tired, isn't important enough, I'm confused. When those things begin to happen, remember this, stay the course. Do you know what I mean by that? 
Stay steady, steadfast, continuing in the faith, fighting for faith. Remember that no matter what you go through, you can reach a place of fullness in Christ. Because, and I hate to say this, I really honestly hate to see this, say this, but I am an example not of a man who has done so much, but of a God who has caused me and empowered me and sometimes shoved me and sometimes done some other things to me to keep me steady. And so when you think you can't make it anymore, remember that old bat. That old bat made it all the way that far. And when they tell you it's not true, <laughs> it's true. I am more excited about experience God more deeply and more regularly today and are more passionate for him and his word and his ways today than ever I have been in my whole life. This is a growing, growing, developing, deepening, joyful, peaceful, satisfying, etc., etc. experience in God. So you may not remember everything I say today, but I'll say this, and I'll quote from Hamlet. Some of you may have studied Shakespeare. Anybody study Hamlet? I'll quote from Hamlet, remember me. Chapter one, the old king tells his son, remember me. So I want you to do that. Remember me. Remember the old man. Not something about the old man, but as an example. He made it through and continues. Then what? I can make it through. He's had the battle. And he's won because of the power of God. I can battle and win. He had to face issues in his life that were difficult and crushing. And yet by the power of God's grace and the Holy Spirit... God got him up and got him going again. Remember me. Remember me. What is steadfastness? It is our steady, continuous move toward the goal of God that resists and overcomes any and all attempts to deter us from reaching his goal. How many of you consider yourselves to have some capacity for steadfastness. Well, let me ask it this way. How many of you have graduated from high school? Stand up. There was high school in your day? Good night. Now, for those of you, watch this. Everybody else watch this. You, you graduated from high school. Why did you make it through? I can't hear you. I'm old. You studied, you worked hard. Did you let all your friends keep you away from your studies? Occasionally, right? But, but on a regular basis. Did you overcome that on a regular basis and gave to your studies what was required more than you gave to all these folks who say don't study? Right, did you? What happened? How did you get here? You're a Tulane, aren't you? How did you get to this place? You didn't cheat? 
Well, a little bit. I mean, everybody does a little bit of training. A little bit of training. When I was in high school, I made straight A's. My B's were a little crooked. Forget it. <laughs> How many of you who were standing, you did what you did because there was a goal before you? Jordan, what was the goal? Why did you want to get through high school? Why? You wanted to receive a what? A diploma. You wanted to graduate. Why did you want to graduate and receive a diploma? Why? What's that piece of paper? So what? What is that all about? Oh, get a job. So the diploma had something to do with success in life. How many of you were tempted from time to time, giving in sometimes, but how many of you were tempted from time to time not to be steadfast in your study and in schoolwork, etc.? How many of you were tempted from time to time? Come on, Lemoyne, raise your hand. I know you. I know a lot of you. Luke, you didn't raise your hand? Your both hands should have gone up in both feet. <laughs> you may be seated. Thank you. Whew. See, Jacob didn't think I was going to talk about his wrestling career. Any of you people who think you can wrestle, this man can whip you at any moment, at any time, any way. Just come and get a hold of him, and Jacob Pell will knock you to the ground. I will too, but I'll use something to get you before you get close to me. Wham, and hit you in the head. So how did, what did you have to do to become the astounding athlete you are. I'm just speaking silly. Uh, the astounding athlete you are. What did you have to do to get to this? I had to train for hours every day. Train for hours? What about television? <laughs> what about staying out late with your friends? <laughs> what about eating a lot of candy? Yeah, you didn't look that sweet anyway. You know? What about, what about taking a lot of vacation time and just whatever. And, and why did you do this? Other than the fact that you're nuts. Why did you do this? Why? Because it's what I loved. You loved it. ED still love. You're not loving the results right now. No, Please don't do that to Jacob because he has a knee that even I could outrun now. <laughs> and if I can outrun him, you know he's in bad shape. <laughs> why? Why? What has this man exhibited? He's exhibited what? Steadfastness. Those of you who stood already, what have all, do you all, have you all exhibited already? What? Steadfastness. For those of you who are just, how many of you are just getting into high school? Stan, you're just getting into high school. You know. Now, how did you all get this far? The same thing as the others. What? You were steadfast in the things that you had. You know how mean your mama was when you had to do your homework? Do you remember that? Do your homework now. Mama, I'm going to do it now. Right? Are your parents like that? Strange. Now, I know your parents. Did they have to make you do your homework from time to time? Yes. Now, Zoe, if you don't know it, likes to keep on her toes a lot. It's called what? Volleyball. <sighs> She's just come back from a tournament. They won. <sighs> now, how did Zoe become so efficient and so good at this? Steadfast. Steadfast. What? She's taller than all the other girls. You're right. Steadfast, right? How did y'all do? Steadfast. Okay. Thank you. 
That means you can sit down, huh, Tommy? <laughs> Steadfastness means Steadfastness means that's twice. Steadfastness means this. Did you hear what Jacob Pell said? Why do you do what you do? Because I loved it. And you still do. Yes. I do still love it. Why does he do what he does? He loves it. Steadfastness, biblically speaking, has to do with a goal that is there that I love so much that I am not only willing, but by God's power, I will. determine and decide to fight off any and everything that has anything to do with not with disallowing me to get to that goal now the things we need to do to be steadfast and I think at the end Pastor Evans is going to talk to us about that but steadfast and all of us know from whatever area of experience we have, this world is filled with opportunities and even demands to not to be steadfast. You know, reading my Bible every day, I'm so tired. Yeah, but what's on Facebook? What about I don't know all these terms. Text, what do you call these? Tweet, 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 tweet. Help me on this. Twitters, Twitters and all that. I don't know all the terms anymore. I grew up with a telephone. You pick it up and the operator said, what number? And there were other people who had the same line called party lines. And we had to give the operator the phone number. And then she would stick it in. And, you know, and so our number was Uptown 5044W. We weren't raised in the same. I was raised in another era. Even from you, another era. You were born about 71 or 72, right in there. I mean, I was 27, 28 years old when you were born. So much competing. Am I against sports? No. I enjoy exercise. You see, I am the poster boy for why you need to exercise. <laughs> if you don't, this is what you're going to look like. You better start exercising today. I enjoy exercise. I enjoy watching some football and baseball. Not as much as my wife, but I enjoy it. But you see, if I have a goal in mind that says that is superior to everything else, I can have some football and basketball or, 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 or jogging or exercise, whatever in my life. I can do some of that, but I don't want anything to get into the way of getting to that place. It's more important. You see, we become steadfast when we are cooperating with a steady work 
of the Holy Spirit in us. Remember Philippians chapter 1, verse 12, Paul says, work out your own salvation. Be steadfast. Do this, do that, do that. And then in verse 13, he says, because it is God who is at work in you both to what? To will and to do according to his what? Good purpose. And what is that good purpose? God wants us to enjoy himself as he enjoys us. Steadfast. There is one issue primarily that the enemy of our soul, as he uses our fleshly temperaments and weaknesses, dispositions, our passions, our affections, as he uses the issues of the world, as he uses obviously the issue of sin, as he uses all these weapons in his arsenal, he wants to either slow down and weaken our steadfastness or stop it altogether. Why? Because he knows that we will not and cannot continue to grow and mature and God has more for us. There's more. I regularly pray. I regularly, I've been saved since 1964. I only say that to say this. I've been saved a few days. And even now, I regularly pray. Now, God knows my heart. God knows if I'm telling you the truth or not. I regularly pray more. I want more. I thank you for what you have given me. I thank you for the little bit of understanding I have. I thank you for some kind of level of ministry to the church. I thank you for that. But I am not satisfied yet. I want more. I want more. I want more. I have to say, I am spiritually greedy, Nicholas Pell. Greedy! Why? How many of you love chocolate? And so someone comes around and gives you the most wonderful piece of chocolate bath you ever did have. <sighs> All of a sudden, what? Can I have? Can I have what? You can speak, it's okay. More. Wouldn't you want more? Yes. There's nothing wrong with that. I want more. I want more. I mean, pal, how did you get there? You, you won something and you want what? More. I mean, Jude, do you know anything about athletics? You know, I was trying to get past the look, but I mean, you know, whatever. Do you want more? Don't you want more? You want to excel more and more? Peter, don't you want to do better all the way? Isn't that in us? More. Oh, I want more of God. I want more. I just want more. How do we get more? We must fight for more. You see, steadfastness is a very strong issue in the Testaments, both old and new. And I have some scriptures down there that you can look at. And we can see that being steadfast is the central way 
that we grow as oaks of righteousness. God does all this planting. He does all this adding. He gives us his word. He gives us prayer. He gives us fellowship and all that. But if we do not continue in those things and pursue them, then they're not going to benefit us the way God wants it to. You notice here, look at your word. You notice that Paul says, Peter says, and I'll say Paul sometimes, it's okay. Peter says, with steadfastness, and then he says, with steadfastness, what? Godliness. Do you see that in your word? You see the word godliness? What does he mean there? What he means, I believe, is this. With godly steadfastness. He's connecting steadfastness with godliness. Why? Because steadfastness primarily and essentially only talks about and is truth about God himself. And so our steadfastness, our ability and our necessity to be steadfast is not to be our personal steadfastness. It is to be our steadfastness that belongs to God. We are to be cooperating with the very steadfast persistent, purposeful, passionate love and goodness of God that he displays by sending his son to the cross and by Jesus now giving us the Holy Spirit. And God, from the very beginning, when the fall Adam and Eve fell, he persistently and steadfastly continued in a goal to redeem his people back to himself. That's the steadfastness that God gives to us as believers and that's the steadfastness that we are to grab hold of and ask the Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, endue me today with a greater desire and ability and function in the steadfastness that you have in yourself as a person of God. God is in himself always steadfast for his own purposes. And this is what we're called to be. We're called to be moving into and opening our lives and receiving and walking in that steadfastness. So we're not talking about your personal steadfastness. We're talking about us understanding and receiving and cooperating with the steadfast love of God that is displayed in us through our salvation. You see, it is God's personal steadfastness in keeping his promises that he is ever faithful to us through all the storms of our lives. Now, here's the trouble. Here's the problem. In order for us to be steadfast, we have to wage war against anything that comes against it. Go back to the illustration for those of you who have graduated, those of you who have done anything in sports, those of you who have accomplished anything. And everybody is in that spot in this room. Every one of us have experience and still walk in some level from time to time or more consistently. All of us have steadfastness as a part of our being in the flesh and in, in the normal issue of being a person. But now, hopefully by the Spirit, we all have the ability to be steadfast. But how much resistance was there? How many times have I gotten up in the morning and whatever, and I, I, I get up and I do my reading and my studying and whatever, all that's first. All that I get done first. And then I want to go to the gym. Guess what my body says? Don't make me do it. Don't make me do it. I don't want to do it. 
it is so easy to say, you know, I'm tired. I'm tired. So easy to say, I got a backache. <laughs> so easy to say, oh, I just don't feel like it today. Would I ever benefit from exercise? Would I? No. All of us have experienced the fight, the wrestle against ourselves primarily. You see, the, the biggest fight is in myself because there's nothing external to me that can have any effect on me at all except it connects with something in me. I don't care what Satan can do. He has no ability over a believer except that which he is doing connects with something in me to deter me. So it always remains me and me. You see, just as the oak tree had to fight against all the forces of nature that would have damaged it, just as that old oak, and continues to have to fight against all the forces that would damage it and weaken it. I, we also must fight against all that would damage and weaken us in our walk in the Lord. See, this is what Paul the Apostle tells First Timothy in 1 Timothy 12. He says, fight the good fight of faith. Hold on to eternal life. So what does he say? Fight. It's a wrestling match. You're going to leave here this weekend. I promise this. You're going to leave here this weekend. And if you leave with any kind of level of determination, I now understand that virtue, knowledge, self-control with steadfastness and steadfastness with godliness must be the way I continue to live if I'm going to become the man and the woman that God wants me to become and that I want to become. If you have any determination in that, and you're going to add steadfastness to those virtues, this time we're going to do it. Fine. It won't take maybe even 24 hours for the devil to oppose you and for you to be confronted with an opportunity to give in a little bit. Well, well, maybe I was just, tomorrow will, it's going to happen. It's going to happen. Every time I meet with folks in my office, and if God moves, he always moves, but if he moves in a way that the people recognize is for their welfare, he, they recognize it. I always leave them with this warning. Because it's biblical. The Bible warns from Genesis chapter 2, verses 16 to 17, all the way through to the end in Revelation. The Bible warns us. You're going to get opposed. You're going to get opposed. Something, someone, some way, an opportunity, an attitude, whatever is going to come against you. And give you the opportunity to say, oh, man, I just, I can't. 
Write this scripture down. You don't have it in you. Here's why you can. This is why you can. C-A-N, you can. 1 John 4, 4. 1 John 4, 4, the second part of the verse. Richard, this is why you can. This is why you can. Brady, Brady, this is why you can. Stephen, this is why you can. What does 1 John 4, 4 say, the second part of the verse? I won't, I won't bellow it out. I'll say it softly for you, but my heart wants to yell it. Why do, do you know why I yell and scream about these things so much? They are so real to me. I have had in my life some of the darkest and nastiest battles against evil in me and attacking me. I am not a pastor because I have been so good. I am a pastor by God's grace who has taken a man even after he was saved and has had to wrestle the mud and the dirt and the whatever out of him wrestling and wrestling and wrestling. So now I have come to a, been brought to a place by God to be afraid of sin and to be more afraid of disobeying God. Not because he's hateful and nasty, but because he is so loving, I don't want to interfere with any of that experience. That's where my fear is. You do see that. I have been hurt and damaged by sin but also have been raised up and touched by God's grace. I know something about the power of the enemy to attack you. Over the years, as I started out saying a little while ago, I have seen youth after youth after youth group. Used to do the youth, if you can understand that. I used to be the youth leader. Can you imagine that? That's before you people were born, though. Your mom and them would have been in my youth group. And I say this with a great sadness. So many who began have not continued steadfastly and are no longer continuing. Don't assume there is an enemy out there. But we can overcome him. Why? What does 1 John 4, 4 say? Greater is he who is in us than he who is in the world. Greater. Greater. Listen to Paul's proclamation of why his steadfast wrestling was worth it. He tells us in 2 Timothy 4, 7, 8, I have fought a good fight. I have finished the race. I have completed. I have kept the faith. I have been steadfast. And this is what my prayer is for each one of us today. I say us. I'm included. That at the end we can say, I have fought a good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Why? 
Why is it so great? Henceforth there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day, that day of judgment. And not only to me, but also to all who have loved his appearing. Just as Pell loves wrestling, we love his appearing. And that causes us to be motivated and empowered to be steadfast in Christ. So I'll close with this. In Acts chapter 27, there is a story. Paul is being taken to Rome in a boat. He's going to be tried for his life. He's going to go to Rome. And the boat sails away and is heading toward Rome. It's heading toward the shore. And a huge storm comes up. And so the waves are coming in and out. It's a cargo ship. So they began throwing over all the heavy cargo, you know. Cause and then the Lord appears before Paul and he says, look, now listen to me carefully. Everybody is going to get safe to the shore. Everybody. God has provided all that is necessary for life and godliness in us. He's given us a spirit. Greater is he who is in the world than he who is in us. We have it all. We have everything. But the angel says, the Lord says, don't get out of the boat. Paul tells him, if you get out of the boat, you're going to drown. If you want to be saved, be steadfast and stay in the boat in the midst of the storm and God will take us all the way. You're in the boat of Christ. What's ahead of you are the most dangerous and potentially disastrous storms of life. What's ahead of you? What's ahead of you is the worst stuff. The worst is ahead of you. But you see, we have a God who is greater than all of that. And you're going to be tempted to abandon ship, to stop this, to not continue with that. The Holy Spirit says, stay the course. Don't get out of the boat. You see that old oak tree? I want you to remember that oak tree and this old man. You can be steadfast. It can be done. It must be done. And our prayer is that all of us on the day of judgment, that we will all see one another as those who have been steadfastly and immovable in the things of the Lord, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that our labor in the Lord is not in vain. So we will all be there together receiving the great praise and approbation, the award, rewards of God because we were steadfast. Pastor Evan.